patience. I think is the num is the key. If you choose consistency over intensity, and you have patience, and you do trust, and you stay selective, and you stay on that path, and like you know, you do check in. I think you should, like you say, the recalibration super important, and do that at the right um, frequency. So I would do that a weekly thing. But my, I think the number one thing is be patient, trust, and then keep tracking it at the right frequency. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Gemma Suguru. So Gemma is the founder of VoiceWorks Studio, which offers lessons and courses for singers, and she's the founder of Pro Vocal Artist, an online mentoring company that's serving thousands of musicians since the school was founded in 2011. She's appeared as a guest vocalist on TV shows like Dancing with the Stars, The Late Night Show, and she's also worked as a background vocalist for artists like Bon Iver, Damien Rice, Gilbert Sullivan, and a lot more. And so uh, in addition to, you know, the vocal vocal prowess she's also a certified quote-unquote tiny habits coach and a former board member at vocology in practice so tiny habits that sounds 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 interesting i think that for a lot of us a lot of you know musicians one of the most challenging parts is is actually creating a solid habit and a framework around doing the things that we know we should be doing especially as a vocalist so definitely excited today to geek out and talk a little bit about vocals and honing your habits and actually becoming a better singer which obviously is really really important as an artist who has you know who has it's not just instrumentals but is actually singing songs the one thing that people really should pay attention to is is normally the the vocals so excited to talk more and thanks for taking the time to be here today I'm so excited to do this. This is like my favorite thing ever to do. I can't wait. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Gemma, I would love to start off for everyone that's here right now or might be listening to this later. Could you share a little bit about your story and how you got started as a both as a vocalist and like a vocal coach helping others? Sure. Okay. I'll try and keep it short. It's a long story, but it started with me loving figuring out that I could sing in school and then being like, oh my God, I'm good at something. Thank God. Because <laughs> I wasn't like very academic and, and I felt like, oh, it was something that came natural to me. And I, I didn't mind being in the spotlight and doing the solos. And I was like, oh yeah, brilliant. Sign me up. And so I did that. And then I got a singing teacher and she was really into opera. So I was like, I thought she was brilliant, really adored her. So I was like, yes, I will be an opera singer. If you think that's a good idea, then I'm all for it. Let's go. And and so like I did a degree, I did a master's and then I got out at the end and I was like, I don't really want to be a soprano. I don't think it's cool. I want to sing like Beyonce. And I had a little bit of an identity crisis. I started coaching singers and all the singers who wanted lessons with me wanted to sing like Adele was really big at that that year when I started working. Um, and I was like, I can't demonstrate that. Like I have like been classically trained. I've never even accessed my like speechy sound, my chest sound. I've only sung in my ah! sound all of my life since I've been singing. So I had to figure out how to like rewire my whole voice, like reset it up. And so I started getting addicted to going to, I, I figured, I found this podcast about voice science and then I got addicted to going to all these voice science conferences. I was like in going to Sweden, I went to San Francisco, I went to the UK and I was just like, oh my God, there is so much to learn. There are like these 
insane geeks about the anatomy and the acoustic science of the voice finally there's some like decent concrete information on the voice because i always was taught in metaphors like oh just sing like your voice is a string coming out of your mouth and i'm like what <laughs> okay i mean it kind of works but i don't know why and i can't teach that i'm going to have to know what's going on um but anyway i went to different coaches and i went to different conferences and i figured out how to kind of reorganize my own voice so that it wasn't like all vibrato and very light and heady and i had to like get a lot more thickness into the sound and i figured that out um and then i got booked for gigs that like i always dreamed of singing with an orchestra and i ended up getting booked as a pop singer for those kind of gigs and I was like oh my god this is weird this is what I was striving for all my life but I was so out of alignment with actually who I was and the kind of singer that I was because I was just following this path that I thought I had to follow so I came out of that I went I was teaching people I loved I set up a school um, and I found I ran a school for about 10 years and we like lots of different schools that was voice works I actually sold that that business last year because of course when the pandemic hit I was like oh my god this is a different game like I can teach anyone around the world then if that's the case who am I what like who do I serve like who specifically do I serve rather than being a local teacher I had to figure out my niche and all of that and then I was like it doesn't have to just be one-on-one -on -one vocal coaching that's like there's there's so much more to on like online for me has been the most creative exciting space I have ever experienced and it's I've come alive since I've had the restraint of only having it and so the creativity of creating courses and content and webinars and workshops and breakout rooms and one-on-ones and replays and I was like oh my god give me all of this stuff all of these tools so I've just been doing that and then I so I sold that business I started focusing on pro vocal artists and figuring out like what's the outcome I really want to help people with and what's super like important for me is helping people with their their actual voice I'm like so many singers are coming to me like I want to riff faster I want to belt harder I want to you know and I'm like but what about what you what you have right now because we see all of that we see these singers being churned through all of these different competitions and it doesn't stick I'm like what sticks is your authenticity and your uniqueness and that's actually in your limitations and if we iron out all of the limitations we actually get rid of you and as a person in your voice so we can't do that we've got to find them and protect them and capitalize on them and, and use them and, and lean in and so I've become very passionate about that and, and helping people technically do that but first of all really establishing a clear um, pattern or clear like understanding of what their identity is i go into mindset and all of these other things and, and getting to the place where they're releasing their music and making something and that's how i ended up setting up the business pro vocal artist so that's the that's the <laughs> <end>. <laughs> that's so cool yeah th thank you for sharing that you're, you're awesome and <laughs> I, I i love that idea that that you shared about really taking what some people might like think about themselves as a flaw and actually no like that's the thing that gives you character that's something that makes you stand out it's something that makes you unique there's this idea of like turning poison into medicine and that like idea of alchemy i've always found it so fascinating how the exact same thing that you know, can feel like such a flaw and just like reframed or used in a different way you can literally turn poison into medicine awesome absolutely so I would love to hear now that you've had, you know, not just, you know, the experience in the field, like working with people locally one-on-one, -on -one, which is great because that does give you this kind of this deep perspective. But now you're learning how to like really amplify your message and use, you know, the internet, which is 
a crazy thing if you look a few hundred years ago and you're like, hey, everyone, we have this worldwide web that connects all of us around the world instantaneously. I can multiply myself. It's just, no. just crazy. <laughs> but I but I, I think that there is, you know, you have that, that kind of that root, like the rooted sense of actually connecting and, and understanding people from that, that a starting point of connecting with people face to face and, you know, coaching them through like locally working with people. And now, you know, you're able to expand that. So the, the question is, you know, you've, you've obviously you've had a lot of experience work artists at this point and vocalists, a lot of different types of vocalists. What are some of the most common biggest challenges that you see musicians struggling with when it comes to really honing in and improving their, I think, uh, I suppose I've mentioned that word already, but identity. And I also think, choosing being selective and choosing what they're doing and 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 going and kind of doubling down and going all in and i think so many of us are too afraid to do that and we keep lots of options open and we spread ourselves too thin like a very transformative book for me was essentialism by greg mckeown and i recognized that i was like i was a coach i was a singer i was a workshop host i was blah, 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 blah. and i was like oh my god what if you could only do one thing like what's your calling and I'm like I sang at the beginning because it was a thing that people said I was good at so it made sense to do that but I actually don't really care about singing the way I care about coaching and like what if I just went all in on that and I'm tr always trying to help singers to go all in on their artistic identity let's stop trying to sing everything let's stop trying to be everything to everyone and let's be selective make a choice for for better or for worse we can always pivot in the, in the future but you're you're spinning your tires in the mud here can we just decide and go and I think that's one of the biggest things that I have found them to be challenged with and ended up trying to help awesome so so it sounds like the the challenge is and I, I hear this all the time as well is just like we're all creative right we're musicians so it's like ah like I want to do country and death metal and hip-hop <laughs> do everything different and so what you recommend is, is really kind of leaning into, you know, to making a decision and kind of refining and deciding, you know, even if you want to pivot down the line, yeah. uh, what do you want to focus on? How do you recommend that someone you know, kind of takes, starts taking some of those steps to identify what their artistic identity is and how they can really start to lean into what it is about themselves that, you know, kind of makes them unique? Yeah, I think there's a couple of exercises I, I help my singers through is like one of them is, OK, let's let's look at what the congruencies are across these three um, kind of personas that you have. So you have like your public persona. This is like who you amplify out on your social media or to people you meet. And then you also have you as a private person. Who do you show up as a person in your family, in your you know close friend group? And then you have you in your music. And how is that showing up? And if we looked at lots of characteristics and traits and beliefs through all of those three platforms or roles where is their conflict where is the congruency and where are we willing to create congruencies and I think that that's been a really enlightening process for a lot of singers because say for example me personally I ended up making a jazz album and that made sense to me but now reflecting on it what would have been more made more sense for my personality is actually to make a folk album I love telling stories I love folk music it's the thing that always gets my pulls in my heartstrings and but jazz was 
safer for me because jazz was that, but I'm an educated, very proficient, I can understand chord changes singer. And I hid behind that instead of being brave enough to show up and be, you know, let myself be true in folk. So that was interesting for me. So yeah, I think finding the congruencies across who you are privately, publicly, and in your music. And then other things that we do in terms of vocal identity, really understanding and embracing your influences. And you're, you're the, a tapestry of everything you've ever listened to. And there's nothing wrong with that. So many singers are so afraid, oh, I'm imitating, I'm too influenced by this artist. So I'm like, oh, it's beautiful like we all have accents I have an accent because I grew up in County Kerry and everybody spoke like me there and it's my identity and I don't want to lose it or dilute it and I'm not a you know I don't want to hide it and I can I'm not going to like create this brand new accent so you have a singing accent but your my singing at my Kerry accent is unlike any other person you're going to hear talking because there are different influences and I have a different tapestry to my accent so I think understanding the tapestry and understanding all of the, the connections like maybe you loved Maria Callas, Kate Bush and Led Zeppelin, like what are the commonalities between those three artists and, and like what is the kind of value that you hold with those three artists. So doing some of that like deeper work and going back in time is, is really fun for me as well. Hmm. I, I love that. Yeah, that, that process, especially of kind of leaning into who have you been inspired by, who have you been influenced by. And it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, rather than being afraid of, you know, not being original enough, if you actually yeah. lean into those those different artists you've been inspired by and, and look at why are you a fan of X, Y, and Z, and you actually look and say, okay, what what is it about them that I really like about this artist? Then you can actually intentionally, you know, start pulling those in. And, 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 and I, I love that too, because I think that that's really the starting point, not just for your artist identity, which is super important, right? To, to really kind of hone hone who you are, but but also in terms of your marketing, in terms of your promotion, you know, like having that list of those artists, literally you can, nowadays you can just go into Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and just type in, hi, like I, I want to look for fa- people who are fans of X, Y, and Z and just typing in those artists and literally like you put yourself and your music in front of those people and yeah they're they're likely to to enjoy your music too because you have that same you know kind of dna that those artists had as, as well yeah so you're awesome. part of that category you're part of that group but you know uh, you can be in a new category again if you like and and that's something that you know we were talking about make, being decisive and making a, de- a decision and i think the other thing to go alongside with that is that but we can all go through seasons as artists and phases like we watch bowie or we watch like prince go through these different like reinventions of themselves so i think that that's important to, to have as well but yeah the categorization and to be proud to be there but you have your own type of voice within that accent of music Mm. awesome i love that cool so one thing that i'd love to dig into a little bit with with you is this idea of it was called like tiny habits that you're talking about and and actually kind of the mindset around it, it seems like for a lot of us the biggest problem isn't necessarily that we don't um know what we should be doing in terms of things like you know i know i should be getting good sleep and i should be you know, exercising for 30 minutes a day and I should be eating healthy and I should do it like XYZ. But sometimes like knowing those things doesn't necessarily mean that like we actually do the thing, right? Yes. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to our habits and the things that, you know, that we do naturally. So I'd love to hear your your take on it. What exactly are, are these tiny habits that you're talking about and how do those apply to uh, to artists specifically when it comes to their music and to their, to their vocals? 
Yeah, so I probably read all of the habit books and I got to Tiny Habits and that one really stood out to me as one that was very applicable to life that was like actionable atomic habits is brilliant as well there's some amazing takeaways and that that one's a hugely popular book but tiny habits it's written by bj fogg he's a stanford professor he's actually he taught the founder of instagram it was actually instagram was born in his class from like a brainstorming exercise yeah it's really cool and just kind of but i think that yeah there, there's that like addictive technology behavior that that is kind of associated with habit formation as well but you know all things can be used for good and evil so using it for good is like yeah how how am i going to create these patterns in my life because we're all on a pattern every day and we are all unconsciously going around like if you if you actually had a camera on yourself every night when you brush your teeth you'd actually brush at the same pace the same rhythm the same order of teeth and you'd put the same amount of toothpaste on the brush you'd like press the button in the same way with the same part to your thumb like we fall we want things to be easy and so then that that's actually one of the most important learnings for me from that model is that so the first thing is to abandon um, motivation or relying on motivation and motivation's a fickle friend it's an emotional thing and it's not always going to be there we can't count on it to build so we've got to find other ways to build these habits and so the other options are to uh, address our prompts so these are things that are triggering us to do something and then address the the, how easy something is to do and how we can make something easier by like scaling it back and making it quite tiny which is really the main premise of the book or we can make it easy by just like reducing how hard it is like you know taking away layers or even just a starter step like somebody who wants to get into a running habit you're only allowed put your shoe running shoes on in the morning, open the door, go outside and then go back in again. And you have to do that for a week. Even if you feel like running, I only want you to be working on the habit of running, not running itself. And then when we have the habit, you're allowed run. And so, because if you, because we'll, we'll ride the wave of motivation. We're like, okay, I'm doing it. Shoes on, out the door, let's go, let's get the run. And it's like, yeah, we got the run in that day, but we didn't actually work on the habit formation itself. And so that was a really cool kind of breakthrough I had with it as well. But, but the reason I ended up turning to it was because I was coaching singers and I was like, I dived so deep into the science. Like I understood acoustic science. I was like, I know physics, I can really help singers but I wasn't helping them I was they were still coming back to me and circling back to the same thing we did in lessons and I'm like oh what's going on and it's because I wasn't helping them implement routines during the week I was like I have to figure that out so I just got obsessed with it myself and then ended up helping them create these routines themselves in their own life All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. 
When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. So cool. <laughs> I totally geek out about, about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I have like a habit tracker spreadsheet where I like go through like the morning routine habits and stuff. And nice. and I, I think that you're, you're totally, totally on point in terms of just like in it sounds like, yeah, tiny habits and atomic habits, like there's like a lot of different kind of frameworks to talk about why habits exist and, and how we like, you know, create habits and, and what you mentioned about the really like our brains just want to keep like reserve as much energy as possible. Right. It's yeah. like the reason we have habits. Is so we don't have to think about doing things, which is actually great. You know, if we had to think about every single thing that we're going to do every single day, then we wouldn't have sure. enough energy to do almost anything. Totally. But if you can like, you know, set up those habits that you know, just run themselves, then it really doesn't take a whole lot of energy or effort to like keep doing, you're going to do something either way. You might as well just do the thing that like is the thing yeah. that champions do, right? Yeah. Um, yes, totally. Make it like easy for yourself to end up practicing. It's like, oh, geez, how did I end up practicing? You know, you almost want that to happen. And so you just mm -hmm. remove all of these friction points, like all, almost make yourself feel like you're stumbling into making music every day, that it's become this uncomfortable. You're like a zombie going into write music every day, but in the, like, <laughs> the most beautiful way, you know. But <laughs> Absolutely. That that reminds me of one of my mentors, the way he described this, this always stuck with me. And, and I think it applies directly what the, it sounds like one of the biggest points that you're making is just set things up. So you don't have to rely on like, ex, like intrinsic motivation, like, but it's just the thing that you want to have happen just happens automatically on its own. It's like the easiest path of least resistance is just to do the thing. Yeah. And the way that, that my mentor talked about this was he called it inevitability thinking. And inevitability thinking was basically setting up the circumstances around you. So like the thing that, that you want to have happen, like just happens by default where you like, even if you just let go completely to nothing, it's like the thing that needs to happen is the thing that's, that should happen. One mm -hmm. example of it is, you know, having a friend that you send a thousand dollar check and you say, Hey, um, if I don't text you at you know 6 AM every morning and, and show you a picture of me, you know, going for a run, then check, cast the check instantly. Mm -hmm. like, like one like random example, but yeah. you know, doing that, there's more pain associated with like, you know, yeah. losing the thousand dollars than just like you're doing the thing. And then eventually, you know, creating the habit just becomes automatic. So I think that that, that idea of just like setting up your circumstances environment. So it just happens automatically is, is super smart. Yeah. And, and it sounds like the other, like the main point of that tiny habits framework 
is around making it as easy as possible to get started to create that initial momentum, right? Yeah. So it's, you just like break off enough of the task with just a little tiny bit, and then yeah. that tends to just like carry you carry you forward through it. Yeah, and and be be very mindful of the getting in and getting out. Like the another thing I should talk about as well is celebration. But before that, yeah, the the like the edge of the habit, because it's a little bit of friction that will trip you up. You know, it's the little thing. Your brain is just wanting to resist you. And if the shoes aren't by the door before you go out, or if you're if you don't have a set up studio where you can just easily switch on the piano and it's or you don't have to like pull out an extension lead, like just that one thing of having to find the extension lead could be the thing that derails the habit or derails the setup of the habit at the beginning so the being the on the minute detail of the setup of the habit but but also creating what you're saying this pain and pleasure that's so interesting and like sometimes it, you know i'm trying to recognize like or break a bad habit i'm like oh geez how can i make eating chocolate in the evening painful like why is it painful <laughs> Emma, think about it and I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like I have a little bit of heartburn in the morning if I eat too much sweet stuff. And I'm like, oh, like that's pain. Think about how bad that heartburn is in the morning. You hate it. I'm like, yes, I hate it. I hate it. I won't do it anymore. Um, but but another, another thing that you can do with positivity and that I started doing for myself was like being my own inner cheerleader with all of it and reminding myself, I love this. I'm doing this. I'm proud of myself. Let's go. And like that really, really helps. And so he's big hack for habit formation is celebration and he said that's why creating a habit on a social media app is easy peasy like you're straight away you've got a good solid habit there because it's so pleasurable the dopamine spike is happening so you've got to create your own inner dopamine spike by reminding yourself like this is why I'm doing this I love doing this I'm proud of myself and and doing all of that kind of inner talk and even like physically celebrating like you're doing your switch camera there and you're doing yeah you want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what you should do that's like the perfect celebration <laughs> that's awesome that it's it's so true around like celebration and just like in in paying honoring things paying special attention yeah. i mean also just in terms of almost every transformation that like a major transformation that exists in kind of like our life cycle we try to create celebrations or events that sort of like celebrate this thing happen like graduation right it's like you're 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 now you're you've graduated and there's a big event getting married you know there's this big celebration there's this big event and it represents this transformation so yeah. if we're trying to like transform and to become a new person then it's almost like you know being able to create that event or create that you know something that you can celebrate is so powerful and it yeah. lets not just you know but it lets all you know if you can bring in the people in your network that are closest to you to kind of celebrate that then it can, i think there really is something psychologically that kind of that is some sort of effect that happens around that celebration internally yeah. and like in your your circumstances totally and i think a second one to add on to that was i remember i was doing yoga and i was uh, my teacher at the end of the class said very like very sincerely to me she's like your your practice is really coming along and i was like oh my god thank you so much and i left the room and i was like oh i actually felt like i was floating home i was so delighted with that feedback and i was like i could be giving myself that feedback every day and you can give yourself and you, you can say in the words that you want to use that you respond well to you can praise yourself and that's something that felt kind of cheesy at the beginning but it just it really works mm, awesome yeah, so so it sounds like one thing that they would really recommend for for everyone is to 
you're kind of being inner inner cheerleader and so yeah. celebrate your successes celebrate your wins like maybe keep yeah. keep track you have like a i've heard this idea before like having like a success log as you're going throughout mm-hmm. your day we just write down all the stuff yeah. i know personally like one of the most powerful habits that's made a big impact on like my personal life and also my relationship with my wife is each night we each share like our top three um, wins or gratitudes from the day and then like three future wins future gratitudes that haven't happened but like as if like try to share them as if like they have already happened and that practice of like celebrating those wins even the ones that are like in the future that haven't happened yet uh-huh. like there's like a magnetic like force that is like pull, like when you can sell when you can have gratitude or celebrate when you celebrate something it creates this like that that energy around it yeah oh it makes it more vivid like you know i I, i'm into this i I, there's a book called reality transurfing it's the quantum physics of manifestation and it's uh so cool the way they describe it and explain it and they talk uh, reality is all like the mir- a mirror is always the kind of analogy for reality and it, you have like this desired reality you want but you can imagine the mirror is kind of foggy or cloudy and you can't and so the more you um, say things like be grateful and recognize and find evidence for the new desired reality constantly mm-hmm. finding that evidence like creating that list of evidence clearer and clearer the reality becomes the mirror becomes and and the mirror like reality is just a reflection of inner but then that becomes your world that becomes your life because you've uh, stacked up the evidence to make sure that you feel and fit um that desired i love this stuff it's so good <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's so true that like there's so much of our lives is is sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy and and our mm-hmm. i mean everything that exists around us i mean even like right now if i look around the studio like basically everything that's in my room it's is something you. that you know, that, that, that was created like, you know, through someone, you know, it wasn't just like instantly it was here, like everything around here right now was, was it started out as like some sort of idea or thought. And then someone went through a process of like, being like, Hey, this is an idea. Like, I want to actually turn this idea into like an actual thing. And now there's a guitar here. And so interesting too, like, you know, the way that capitalism works and like a lot of our thoughts and things are around providing value because we have this like, you know, economy and this whole system. It's super interesting, but, but all of it, the point is that it, it really, it's, it's true. Like, and sometimes I think it's possible to kind of take things to an extreme and be like, be some people might think it's kind of like woo woo to think like, Oh, I can just like, you know, imagine like, you know, like everything magically is just going to happen instantly. But yeah, I think that there is sort of this scientific approach of like, no, like actually everything like that is created starts with a thought and you have to believe in it enough to actually take action to like do the thing, including your goals with like your life and your dreams. And, and a lot of times the bigger goal that you have, the more resistance, the more obstacles and the, more difficult it's going to be to reach that goal so it really requires like what you're talking about intentionally creating you know celebrations and and really reinforcing that identity that maybe you're not that person yet but you're becoming that person and you're doing the things right now that lead to you being that that person totally and and it allows you to stay on that path because I think the biggest obstacle is that we keep switching lanes and we with because we're unsure we're like I don't know if this is the right thing to do to focus all of my attention on and so in a we we hop lanes all of the time and I I think that that's definitely something that I was doing and and with all reality every single reality exists which I I like to kind of subscribe to that idea it's just that we don't know what the terrain is going to be like and we don't know what time delay is going to be there but if I 
you know, go, okay, I'm in, I'm doing this. This is what I'm aligned with, but I'm, and I'm okay with whatever the time delay is going to be in getting there, but I'm going to stay on this path, whatever, whatever it takes. I, I love that, that mindset. Yeah. Just thinking about it, like there's, there's going to be a time delay between that, but if you're willing to like, you know, to, to stick through and, and do it, yeah. I wasn't expecting that we were going to like go down the, like the rebel like this during this, but I love this stuff and I'm, I'm happy that we're, that we're going here. But I really think that one thing that, that is one of the most fascinating things that I geek out about is thinking about this idea of, you know, how vision, how thought, you know, becomes, becomes reality and like goals and achievement. And it does seem like as time has gone on, like really the purpose of technology is sort of in technology, not just meaning like internet or tools, although like certainly those are technology, but really like just tools in general and things like, you know, hammers or cars. Like these are all like technology that kind of took us from idea closer to reality, like building a house. You know, like the tool, the technology of a hammer is like you're going to shorten the time delay, the time delay that you the going from idea to like creation. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, it seems like our ability to use technology and these tools is like shrinking the time delay. So nowadays to create a billion dollar business, it can happen in a matter of a few years based on the technology, based on the tools that we have. Yeah. And like the biggest idea that, that I can think of that this is the thing that like I geek out about the most is... This idea of one right now, you know, Elon Musk is working on Neuralink, and there's this idea of like brain interfaces actually being able to like the same way that we talk to like Amazon Alexa or Google Home, be like, hey, like turn the lights off. With this type of interface, we could just think like, you know, lights on, lights off, and just instantly like the thing happens. But then mm-hmm. you know, using that technology, we could like communicate with each other instead of through words and language. Maybe we could communicate more directly, almost mm-hmm. telepathically. But then if you combine that type of technology with this idea of like virtual reality where we could potentially be in like an environment where there was, there were literally no phys- physics, no physical limitations on like anything you could do. It's just like a pure playground of creativity. Then combined with like the n- neural interface, we could essentially have an experience of just like no limitation at all, just like pure creativity. And that's like, in terms of that time delay that you're talking about, like there, like there would be, what if there's like no time delay and it just instantly, like you could just create like anything you want. And that's the idea that just makes my go, <laughs> like, like what would even happen at that point? Right? Like, what would- I know and that's like the dream of, you know, when you're creating a business or an idea, that's your dream. Like you want to work reverse engineer that it's like, what if somebody like literally gave me their credit card details and they went, boom, you're instant, instantly transformed. Like, and you like work your way back from that in the value offer that you create mm. because yeah. that's what people want. They want just this magic. Like that's why, you know, uh, people go and get surgery, plastic surgery. It's a, it's a quicker fix than going on a diet and going to the gym. So like, I think that that's so interesting. I I can't even imagine a world with such little friction like that. I, 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 the way that I look at it is I, I feel like that experience that we just described of having no limitations would almost be sort of like a, like a godlike experience where it's just like there was no limitation you could just create anything and and also i wonder if kind of like having the cheat codes to a video game yeah. when you get the cheat codes then there's kind of this sense at first it's like whoa like cool i can do anything uh-huh. but then it's like okay well now what <laughs> or like this is kind of boring like kind of like lost its lost its purpose or its traction yeah and so the fact that we just so happen to be you know, here right now in this moment of time where we could potentially even experience this shift before like kind of 
limitation, like apparent limitation versus mm-hmm. no time delay, where it's just like this experience of like ultimate connectedness and, and, you know, enlightenment makes me wonder like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I believe in this or not, but the theory that like there's, this is some sort of simulation that, you know, that we're in right now already seems mm-hmm. kind of interesting that if, if there was like a purpose for why right now, yeah, I think that if we were already some sort of fully limitless like being that could just do and say like anything or just create anything instantly with no limitations, maybe it would get kind of boring and maybe you'd want to forget that you were all powerful and then like kind of like find your way back home and then realize like, wow, like this is amazing. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. Some feeling of struggle. There, ha- I mean, we're we're meant to suffer, we're meant to struggle. And like, you know, not having the contrast of that feels weird. Like my happiest time in the day is when I return home from the gym. So I'm like, yeah, I did my mm. gym, that was good. It's like my most fulfilled. So I think we definitely need that bit of a burn, that bit of uncertainty to actually feel, to get that happiness, don't we? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that interesting that like, I mean, a lot of times, like you were talking about in terms of the, the flaw in like the carrot, like the, in the, yeah. the voice, like how that can, a lot of times people kind of like lean away from that or like, they're like, this is bad. But sometimes like by leaning into that, that's actually the thing that gives, yeah. gives character. And, and the same thing probably applies to like the, the challenge and the struggle and the suffering is the thing that's yeah. like so easy to kind of like lead away, like, ah, but really like leaning into it, like, that's the thing that gives character and that like, you know, that creates, you know, fulfillment. And yeah, it's not like if you go to watch a movie and, and you walk into the theater and you sit down and it's like, this is Jane. Jane was happy forever. Yeah, like, there wouldn't be a very good story at all, right? Um, super interesting. So let's let's kind of come back to to Earth a little bit. I love I love this stuff, <laughs> but let's let's kind of let's bring it back to you know kind of application and, and practically like how we can you know, take everything we're talking about mm-hmm. and you know, turn it into like what if you could paint kind of the outcome or the transformation that that you think is sort of like like when we're talking about that that final outcome what does that what does that look like for for an artist when it comes to their voice and being able to like fully express them so i suppose it's coming up with like the process it, it is designing i like doing like an again back to identity in term i like going doing an identity 1.0 and an identity 2.0 so i like them to really recognize who who they are right now what they believe in their traits mm-hmm. let's like put it all down paper black and white in front of us and now let's draw up let's do the designs for 2.0 and what's identity 2.0 and then we kind of understand we get really really clear on the reality that we're shooting for the desired outcome like you're saying and um, let's get super clear on that let's understand what that is and then it's understand why why is the emotion like why do you want this and once we get that then we are then we look to identity and we're like who do you need to become to get there mm-hmm. and so that's when you start looking at that shakes out into the habits and the behaviors every day but sometimes new habits can feel unnatural and and that can there can be that resistance as well so that's kind of coming back to the emotional piece and i do buy into the teachings of like stephen pressfield the war of art he's got a chapter called turning pro and just like showing up every day and there is going to be a i think that 
everybody has to go through is if your identity shifting there could be this feeling that it's unnatural that's where, where it like actually really helps to have that clarity about what and why and have that clarity on this new identity you're shifting into because it will start to become natural once you have all of those pieces together so so that's kind of like the mindset side of things but that shakes out into like daily vocal practices I have like I, I think everybody should be looking at their identity sheet every day so that's their mindset maybe they need to do some meditation you know different people need different things some people need more of a like lean into their more masculine side some people need to lean into more of their feminine side it depends on what they need mindful work then we have like their voice so we've got it that's your skill that's your like delivery of communication like we've got to take care of that because the last thing I want you to do is to even remember that I am a person in your life when you're on stage I want you to forget I you've ever met me because vocal coaching and technique that doesn't belong on stage all that belongs there is the surrender to the moment and the only way you can actually be give yourself permission to surrendering in a performance is to be so consistent and be able to really count on your voice to do its job and you can't do that without conditioning and it's like the marathon is coming up and if you're not conditioning on a day-to-day basis to create like your you know this is my basically raising your baseline all of the time I, that's that's my focus I'm never like trying to get work on your 100% I'm always trying to work on your what what are you like on, a, on your worst day and how can I raise that all of the time so that you can show up on your worst day you can have no sleep the night before everything has gone tits up but I have made sure that your baseline is solid so you are okay to drop to that so that would be the conditioning part your instrument then your creative is that like consistent have you got a way of getting in there like is there a specific time do you know exactly like your energy flows throughout the day have you synced up your circadian rhythm do you know the best kind of hour of the day the best light that comes into your retinas that's like totally aligned with your creativity like let's figure it out and then yeah getting getting into a habit of connecting with social media and being in in front of an audience that's the other practice so they're like the practices that will come out of the identity shifting and the reality setting Cool. That's sweet. <laughs> Thank you for walking through that. I feel like we covered a lot of ground just like in that that overview. And, and it's interesting too, in terms of the program that we offer with Bonnie Musician and Gold Arts Academy, like the some of the yeah. frameworks are very similar because I think that transformation, yeah. you know, is is a, there's a fundamental process to go through it. So that idea at the beginning of really establishing, you know, kind of where are they at right now and where's the goal, super interesting. It's almost like a one, one analogy that I think about sometimes is it's kind of like a GPS, right? Like mm-hmm. what is a GPS to get you from one destination to another? Like what does a GPS need? Well, first of all, it needs to know where you are to start out with. It needs to triangulate, like where's your starting point? If it doesn't know that, then it's not going to be able to give you directions to get to the place, right? Yeah. So first it needs to know where you are, start like starting from. And then it need, you need to know specifically like what's the outcome or what's the goal? Like where are you trying to get to? If you try to go to GPS and like you don't have like a – destination then you're not you know there's you're not gonna be able to to go anywhere but then once you have those two things then it's kind of like okay you know what point a what's point b like how do we actually try and like how do we actually create a path you know to get there so it sounds like that's really the same process that you use and in your framework is kind of identifying where are they starting from where's the outcome and then you know building this custom path to help them go from point a to point b which is super cool 
Yes, I'm really identifying those because the behaviors then I would imagine in your analogy are like the coordinates. It, it, well, sorry, the coordinates are if you set like whatever you're, and I think that comes up in the Atomic Habits book, what you're doing on a repeated basis every single day, if, there, if those dots are going kind of the wrong way, you're going to end up in a different destination. So you really want to make sure your dots are going in the right way so that making mm-hmm. sure that you are very intentional about the setup of those habits because the consistency is going to bring you the distance if you mm. kind of pay attention to it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a great point is that like part of the journey at that point is about calibration, right? Like you need to have some sort of process to like on a regular basis check in with like are you moving in the right direction and like and what are you doing that and is it like is it working and and kind of recalibrating where are you now so that if yeah. you are off path it goes like you know you're re-navigating and like it brings you back to the correct path right super yeah. interesting so what would you say are some of the let's imagine like that we're really like leading to this analogy i think it's a really solid analogy for this yeah. but let's say that yeah someone is someone has set their initial starting point, they set their destination, they're starting to go down the path. What are some of the most common obstacles kind of on that path that you see them starting to like fall off, fall off track? Like what are the biggest mistakes or like the, like the thing that most people get hung up on that's coming up for that's kind of keep them from going from point A to point B? Patience. I think is the num is the key. I think that you can get really fooled into thinking that I don't know. A p- people pref- are more comfortable usually choosing intensity over consistency because that requires a lot of faith and a lot of trust. Because you're doing these small actions, but you're like, God, is this going to make a dent? Is this going anywhere? Is this doing anything? And so you have to trust in that and be patient. But if if you pick, if you choose consistency over intensity and you have patience and you do trust and you stay selective and you stay on that path and like, you know, you do check in. I think you should, like you say, the recalibration is super important and do that at the right um, frequency. So I would do that a weekly thing so I I usually get my singers to plan tomorrow today and then do a weekly review and preview and that way you're able to get an overview of like what's going right what's going wrong so that we can kind of keep bringing ourselves back onto that right path but my I think the number one thing is be patient trust and then keep tracking it at the right frequency Mm. so good yeah It, it it certainly helps to you know if However you need to, whatever your goal is, whatever your destination is, if you can look and find like, who are some other people who've gone on that path, who've mm. you know, been able to go from point A to point B, and you can seek out mentorship like that, which makes you know frameworks and, and people like you so, so important, so valuable. I think everyone needs a mentor, right? That can at least like, you know, if you have a mentor, it's going to significantly shorten your learning curve of like figuring out how to get to point A, point B. Technically, you could probably do it on your own, but it's just going to save you so much time and energy and you know, to, to really like have that, have that GPS that kind of keeps you on track. And it certainly is possible to like, you know, to fall off track because we have a goal, but we have no real path to get there yeah and we're scared we don't know is this am i doing the right thing and sometimes all somebody needs from me is just like yeah you're doing good no this is going in the right direction i like it it's good or i i get them to do audio check-ins so that they would have like an audio recording of their voice and how their voice is developing and i'm like it's very hard to see or hear the development 
day to day but if we zoom out and listen to the beginning of this month and the end of that month and hear the difference in your voice then and if we're very specific about the things that we're trying to make a change in our voice because a lot of people are just like blanket going for different scales and like I just want to have range and riffs and belt and I'm like okay but like no let's get specific here what do we want what kind of vowel do we want to tune what kind of note what part what exact note do we want to develop so the specificity I think is another thing to put into the mix but me as a coach I always just feel like I'm reassuring and just just being the, the passenger in the I'm the passenger in the car that's so, so good oh, that's the right way yeah keep going <laughs> I, I found like the exact same thing too it seems like that, that that's such an important an important part is like not everyone has that kind of inner cheerleader in fact a lot of times it's exactly the opposite where it's like the people around us consciously or subconsciously they've gotten kind of comfortable with who you are so if you start becoming someone else then it actually kind of feels uncomfortable and it brings up insecurity and and there's a lot of fear that they're dealing with and so if you don't really have that person in your corner whether it's yeah. internally or that person that's just like hey like you're on the right path you've got this then yeah. it can it can be hard i love i mean what you just shared too really brought up some like, great ideas about how I, I, even like within our program i think that there's a few things that we could do to be more intentional about celebrating and you know kind of uh, acknowledging and honoring people as they go through the journey like there's these milestones and so i think ari and jared on our team right now like you're watching this so like you take <laughs> take notes here and like you bring this uh, add, add this into, into the program but i think like specifically around these key milestones or key points you know where for example you know when someone first launches their we call it like their virtual tour hacking campaign which is basically like the campaign that they launch and then they start having uh conversations over Instagram and Facebook Messenger with new fans and that's kind of a special moment for a lot of people is like when they launch it and there's people that aren't just their friends and family but there's like actually real like fans who are enjoying the music and I think that if we created um, a really special kind of almost almost like a, an event kind of celebration kind of like you know a wedding or a graduation where there's like an event or there's some sort of certificate or there's some like to where we give them a shout out in the group we're like hey everyone like this person just launched their campaign and we shared the link it could be so yeah. cool just to like honor them and celebrate their their success and also to like you know bring in people to be able to comment on their posts and stuff so thank oh, you for that's why i love having conversations like this too because i'm meeting with cool people and we get great ideas we make idea idea childs together yeah <laughs> i i love your idea of it being like you know the analogy of it being like a wedding or a graduation and and like what might feel like a small you know look like a small step from the outside but actually is a quantum leap like is this big is this total catalyst of change that definitely needs to be like signposted and celebrated yeah, it's it's really interesting in terms of like tribes and societies in general, how like a lot of times there are these like these events that are, you know, weddings and graduations, but also I've heard this in the context of kind of like boy boyhood becoming a man, like a lot of tribes, like they actually have a ceremony or something where it's like the boy, like the boy dies and like the man is like, come and that's really like an important sort of ceremony. Yeah, the point is ceremony or rituals, rituals or ceremonies that they facilitate this transformation. Yeah, cool stuff. Okay, so this has been a lot of fun. I love uh, <laughs> conversations like this. So let's actually, because it's the first time that we've ever done this, we'll kind of be learning as, as we go. But um, let's actually open up the floor for some questions and for some like some audience interaction. So we're actually doing this live right now with with a real audience of our music mentor VIPs. 
And so let's bring some people in here to ask questions. If you'd like to raise your hand, come on here live to ask any questions, you can raise your hand. And otherwise, I think that there's some people who maybe have been asking some questions in the chat. And I have a document here that Ari put together. So question number one is from Amy Alexander. And Amy asked... Uh, question. I love the comparison about this being a marathon. I just experienced the need for this recording vocals over the weekend. As for having so many tools, resources, and options, I'm wondering, is there a question or series of questions you use for yourself or recommend to filter what's best for you or aligns with your vision? Interesting. So it sounds like the question is really like, sometimes it's so easy to feel overwhelmed. There's so many options, so many choices. Like, is there sort of like a, a compass that you use internally to decide when there's all these different paths that I could take, what's like the actual right decision for me? Yeah, I think like one analogy that's helpful is like, what's the biggest domino to knock over that will knock over the others? What thing will kind of make the biggest impact? So what's the, and I would always like start my day with the thing that's going to propel me forward the most. And that can be the the thing that's kind of hard for me to dig into. It could be writing content and I might prefer to do some busy work like emails, but I'm like, no, do the thing that's the big domino and just get that done. Because then whatever happens in the day, I'm really delighted I've done my MIT, my most important thing. But I, I would definitely, you know, come up with my big three every day. I need to know exactly. And one of them has to be health related. One of them has to be, the other two are, are career, but one always has to be a a content like a creation or writing goal so yeah knowing what your I have a weekly three and I have a daily three but mm -hmm. knowing what your big domino is that's going to knock over the other dominoes is the way that I think about it mm -hmm. that's so good yeah I, I think that's a really great question like a, a great like focus point because you know everyone does especially with what we're talking about the internet and with information there's just like yeah. an explosion there's so much stuff that we can't possibly we don't have the bandwidth to be able to absorb everything so like yeah in that context the book essentialism i think is probably a great signpost yeah. and just the idea that you point to around like prioritization and being like okay like i don't have enough time to do all of this stuff if I had to like force myself to think, what are the top three things that I want to accomplish here over the next day or over the next week or month yeah. or quarter or year? That's we have like a the a very similar process where we do the exact same thing like on like a daily like I call them like the RPS RPS cycles, which is like the we call RPS kind of like GPS, but it's you know like for RPS like a retrospective planning scheduling, nice. but we have like daily, weekly, monthly quarterly, annually. And so like once a year, you know, kind of having that process in place to do like a yearly review and like, look at this next year, like what's, what are like the top, top three things from my entire year? If I just had three things I want to do over this next year in that domino analogy, like you're kind of stacking the dominoes so that they, they like can tip over and even like a little tiny domino. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the video there. I love that. You probably really enjoyed this, this too, if you haven't seen it, is there's this like, kind of like geeky looking physics professor guy, I think. And he's like sitting next to a bunch of dominoes and they're like a really tiny one. And there's like a massive one at the end. And this, this guy's like, you know, based on physics, you know, this little tiny domino, you push this over and it's going to knock over this giant one. And he literally has this little tiny like tweezers that he has to like knock over the little tiny initial domino. But there's like 10 dominoes set up that are all like half, like twice as big as the previous one. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, like this little microscopic tiny domino, you push it over and it knocks over the bigger one, which knocks over the bigger one, which knocks over the, and it like ends up this massive domino falls over because all you did was push that little tiny one, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, 
and so that top three process you're talking about like daily, I think that's probably one of the best, like, you know, little tiny dominoes you can, you can do because you know, you align that with your, your bigger dominoes and those things add up. And as long as they're stacked towards the right dominoes, then you can accomplish amazing things. Yeah. It's another idea that comes from the tiny habits book is cascading. So good cascades from good. So you go to the gym, you feel like eating better. You feel like drinking more water. You feel like practicing. You feel like going for a walk. You feel that, you know, one thing leads to another in the same way. It's like a feedback loop in, in physics. If, the, mm. if you do something like I've eaten the chocolate now, I've watched another episode of it. It's like they cascade from each other. So mm. you can create those cascades. Mm hmm. Mm. Awesome. I love that. Another question came in from the name is no name. <laughs> this is the person he, he or she who shall not be named. They asked, what are some ways to push through burnout? Hmm. What are some ways to push through burnout? Yes. So I think that there are push pull seasons in our life. Um, in my life anyway, I have push pull seasons and burnout for me, like the definition of burnout for me is hard hard intense work with no end in sight if my brain thinks this is never going to end then i burn out i'm like i can't take this anymore this is not tolerable but if i have an end in sight then i'm okay i'll i'll, I'll really grind and i like to have a grind i like to really get get intense and get the cortisol levels up on a daily basis and i'm up for it but i need to know that this is a sprint so i would probably run sprints in my year and go there's a sprint we're going to work we're going to go but then i get to let go there's going to be the the chill out season just after that for maybe one or two weeks so that's my way of avoiding burnout but if you're in burnout i think like yeah stepping back and seeing what are you doing that you don't need to do like write down everything that you're doing and so much of it is like just coming in a pattern of just being busy and like see how much you can how much you can simplify make that a challenge like how simplistic can I make my life how much can I pull away from and sometimes we're doing a lot of stuff for other people sometimes people are people pleasers and we're afraid to say no get really good at saying no like no should be your favorite word because a, a no is a yes is always a no to, to yourself and to something else you wanted to do so being very careful with that but I think the biggest thing for me is that burnout is no end in sight, hard work intensity. And so mm. preventing that and working in sprints. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it definitely even correlates to just like, you know, running a marathon. for. So I ran a marathon for the first time last year and it was like especially the end of the marathon is like pretty grueling but you know knowing that you only have like a mile or two left it kind of gives you this extra drive to keep pushing where if you had mm. if you didn't have an outcome if you didn't know like how far you are then I think it it just feels infinite it feels really difficult to like to keep going it makes yeah. a ton of sense all right, so I think we have time for maybe one more question from Bobby L. And this is cool. I see, I think it's probably either Ari or Jared like in Google Docs typing this up as we talk right now. So I see this like forming like, into an actual thing. Bobby L said, uh, you mentioned The War of Art. I love that book. What are some of your other favorite books for artists? Oh, so many. I'm going to tell what one. Letting Go, uh, is that Richard? Oh my goodness, what's his name? I always, oh, it's, it's not David, it's Richard Hawkins. It's a David Hawkins. But look up Letting Go. Uh, one, one of your amazing production, Ari might, might be able to Google it. Is uh, it letting, uh, the art, the art of letting are, go? Uh, no, I think it's just Letting Go. Okay, um, Richard Rower, maybe? No, not me. 
<laughs> Sorry, I just Googled it. I think it's not coming up. But. It's David Hawkins. David oh, Hawkins. Okay. So the reason why is it's a, it's a spiritual book. David Hawkins, thanks, Harry. Yes. But what's so, it was like a big transformation for me because really what, like if I ask any artist, what's the ultimate goal for them? They're like, I just want to be in that moment on stage with people present with me and with me present with them like that seems to be like the pinnacle for most people I work with mm-hmm. and I'm like oh wow like so therefore working on your ability to be present in that moment is very crucial because this is actually what's driving everything you're doing right now mm-hmm. and I read so he talks about all the ways that we process emotion mm-hmm. and we suppress we repress we express and repress suppress express digress totally <laughs> i like how that flows but the he, he we kind of associate expressing a lot with performing but i think that his um approach is cooler is better is to surrender and that takes a lot of trust on stage but that's when the magic happens and it's when you're not actively expressing yourself on stage that you're actually allowing yourself to be get out of the way of the music be in the moment and let the moment kind of bring about whatever it's going to bring about and you kind of surrender to that and let that flow and i think training yourself on how to do that is really important so that would be one of my favorite books that I, I teach singers about essentialism like we've talked I'm going to look back at my bookshelf here if there's anything else deep work deep work by Cal Newport is an excellent book that's all about just getting into like it's so hard for us to do one thing and we train our brain to multitask all of the time and I would actually say that's like a really good tip is to like don't allow yourself to multitask because you're teaching your brain how to not focus and then when it comes time to focus and be quiet and be still and write your music it's very challenging because your brain's like no 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 this isn't what I do I do that you should see me multitasking I'm really good at it we should do that instead you're like no 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 we're going to focus it's like why (laughs) you've trained me to be a multitasker so stop training yourself to be a multitasker and become really good at, at having that deep focus and it's it's so blissful when you allow yourself to get into it so that's another fantastic one deep focus by cal newport mm, awesome thank you i actually just uh, picked up the book letting go uh, by david hawkins right now so i'll look forward yeah. to listening to that one soon God. that is it is so funny I, I find like the meditation practice has, has really helped to get more mm-hmm. comfortable with that idea of letting go and just releasing and being present which mm-hmm. it seems like i don't know like before i really experienced it it seemed hard to understand how surrendering or letting go could actually be like really powerful but yeah it's, it's so funny like sitting how difficult it is to like sit down and just like be present and just notice your breath for like 10 minutes if, if especially if you like you know have never like meditated it's like the mind just goes crazy and it wants to do all these all these things it's man like there's that's something to be curious about is or like like hmm like like what would happen if I just, you know, actually just like let go of all that stuff, right? Just for, just for 10 minutes, you know, just for 10 minutes and just see like, you know, what happens. And at the core, it really is just kind of like that, that experience of, of bliss and being and peace and presence. And it's, it's so, how wonderful is it that that's what exists underneath all of the, the other stuff that is so stressful at times. I know, and that it's so challenging to sit and stay like a good dog. <laughs> like I can't sit and stay like a good dog. It's too hard. <laughs> yeah. And not yeah. do anything. Mm, awesome. 
Well, hey, Gemma, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for geeking out with me and going I, going down different paths, both like very practically. I feel like this has been been really helpful for people. Who, you know, really the core the core of their voice is really being able to to like you said, be present, be present with themselves, and be, you know, have a vision, have a goal for their identity, who they want to be. So I appreciate appreciate you coming on here to to share a little bit about your lessons, like what you've learned through through your journey. And for anyone who's here right now live or might be listening to this on the podcast, could you share where's the best place for people to go to learn more if they're interested in diving deeper or learning more about your vocal coaching and the different programs that you offer? I, uh, so I have a website, provocalartist.com. So that's my program. It's been in pilot mode. It will be launching it. Uh, if you're listening to this around now, it will be launching it in April, 2022, the end of April, which is exciting. I'm very active usually on my social media, even though I'm having a recalibration right now. So I've actually pulled back a little bit to recalibrate, but usually I'm super regular there. Instagram, like I'm always welcoming a DM and a hello, and I'll shoot you back a voice memo even. And so I'm at Gemma Sugru on Instagram, but you'll find all those handles on my provocalartist.com website beautiful yep so like always we'll in the show notes we'll, we'll put all the links so you have easy access to go find it but Gemma you're awesome thanks so much for, for being here live and until next time hey it's Michael here I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today and if you want to support the podcast then there's a few ways to help us grow First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.